Can you feel the energy? Feel so real, my energy. Ladies and gentlemen, and variations thereupon. This is modern escapism. Welcome to another week of Modern Escapism. As you've heard, host Ken is not here this week, for it is me, Bog Standard Ken, taking over the duties. And I'm joined by the bearded bar, uh, the bearded bear Ken. Hi, Ken. Hi, Ken. And the old goth Barbie. Hi, Barbie. Hi, Ken. Unfortunately, also problematic Ken isn't with us this week either. <laughs> I could be either of them. <laughs> But we're here to give you our reviews of all the big hits this week. Uh, as you can imagine, there's going to be Barbie chat. Um, there is. But how's everyone feeling? You feeling better, Candy? Yeah, I'm just about. I'm hanging in there. I saw. I saw the light at the end of the tunnel for a bit. The, there was a voice of. There was a choir of voices singing me towards the light. <laughs> but I've just about made it. I think I'm back on the wine anyway. So that's got to be a step in the right direction. That's how we know you feel better. Yeah, the yeah. wine. <laughs> You know it's bad. I, did, I didn't even want a game. I didn't want a game. I didn't want a drink. You know it was like deathbed time. Oh, well, glad that you're feeling better. Gadget is feeling very tired. I am. Because we met, we met up this weekend, didn't we? We did. We, were, we went down to North Yorkshire with some of the people from our Discord to do the uh, Black Sheep Brewery tour, which was fun. Oh, Yes, it was really good. I can't remember the guy's name, but he was very knowledgeable and he enjoyed his beer. Uh, Alan, his name, yeah, Alan. his name was Alan or Fred. If you didn't like him, yeah, yeah. <laughs> he said, "If you if you like the if you like the tour, give us a good review." My name's Alan, and if not, then I'm then I'm Fred. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, what, was your, was... what was your favorite sheep? Uh, all of them. <laughs> <laughs> I kept lo- the upside down one. I kept I kept looking at them, but then I kept falling asleep. Um. Ooh. They... <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it was really good. Um, apart from when he gave us, he gave us these like um, p- part of the things to try, didn't he? When it had been through certain processes. Oh yeah, the um, the the barley, the barley. Yeah, and he's like, this is you can eat this. Like it's tasteless to start with. Then it goes through this process. What's it taste like? And I got one that was like burnt coffee, and I was just like, <laughs> had to walk around <laughs> the rest of this tour with a taste of this. Horrible burnt coffee taste in my oh. mouth. Yeah, one of, one of them tastes like coffee, and you, you, you handed, handed them out, and Stig was the first one to get one, and you just bit into it, and I just saw the look on his face go, Bleh. and it's just like, <laughs> I hate coffee. Yeah. <laughs> oh, yeah. He was very Yorkshire, wasn't he? Like, I was fine. Yeah. I could understand him, but I was just thinking, can the other three? I could, I, I could understand him. <laughs> I think uh, Tig and Kel were really struggling <laughs> with took, him. They took, they took a while for the ears to kind of tune in. But no, it was, it was, was, it was good. Yeah, it was it was good, and it, it, also especially like, we booked it when there was a risk of the Black Sheep Brewery closing down. Uh, but they got a lot of investment, didn't they? And they, it's still open. So yeah, it's it's worth going to. And uh, and is it Massam or Masham? I can't remember how you pronounce it. Massam. Uh, Massam in North Yorkshire is a beautiful little village. Yeah, it's a lovely little village, isn't it? And we went to a little cafe called Johnny Baghdad's, which is a, just a great name for a cafe. Yeah, <laughs> good full English breakfast. English breakfast oh, and, a, nice. and a big coffee was only twelve pound. Good value for, for oh, lovely. Good value for Tory land in Yorkshire. 
because it's a place of rich place of rich people oh it is yeah yeah very like, much you, so. you, you walk around the market square and they've, they've come to market on a saturday with with their porsche cayennes or their classic cars or whatever it's like a bright oh, purple God. triumph stag this morning <laughs> Actually yeah, I've done like wine tours and stuff before with like tasting the tasting ones. They say, "Oh, pair it with this, pair it with that," and you'll probably be able to taste apples. You'll probably be able to taste the sunrise. You'll probably be able to taste all I all I taste is wine, and also for the <laughs> amount of wine I drink, like I don't have a particularly discerning palate. It's just it tastes like wine. It tastes like wine, or it tastes like juicy wine, or it tastes like fizzy wine, and that's it, really. I mean, yeah, that, yes. I'm, I'm about the same with wine. I, I, you could give me like a hundred pound bottle of wine or a four pound bottle of wine. I probably couldn't tell the difference. Mm. Maybe until the next morning, though, when you wake up and you don't have a hangover, that's when you know it's good wine. Nah, I yeah. don't believe that for a second. <laughs> All wine gives me a hangover. <laughs> no, but we had a good time drinking beer. We had an excellent curry, and then yeah, it was a good I got weekend. S- got stranded in the village because there were no taxis. <laughs> yeah. Nice. They said, oh, we booked a taxi there. And they said, oh, we'll have taxis on the way back. And then we rang him like, oh, we've got no taxis. Like, and then all my friends who live close just weren't available to help either. So it was like, okay, we have to get a taxi from the next town over. Yeah. It was like six miles back. It's like, no, we're too drunk and too full of curry to walk fast. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Because <laughs> we'd been drinking since lunchtime. <laughs> oh, God. No, I'd have had a snooze and gone back out at that point. You know, like if you start drinking at lunchtime, you've got to go back at four o'clock for a bit of a nap. And then like the mascara's kind of come off, but you think it looks good anyway. Just whack a bit more and then you go back out again. Um, we had a little bit rest. We went back to the to the flat, didn't we? And yeah. we had a, but we had a few beers there and Gadget got attacked by the dog that lived there. <laughs> there, was a, there was like a, a shared balcony, one like a yeah. rooftop terrace area that was shared with other flats. And there was this like old, proper old boy dog out there who was... And he, and he he was playing with us and he was having a good time. And then all of a sudden he just started like attacking Gadget's legs and like pulling <laughs> on his on his joggers. <laughs> Bastard. It's because it's because it's because he's a terrier and I wasn't playing with him. Yeah. Because 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 uh, as you as you all know, I am I am of a size which has its own gravitational force. I had concertinaed myself into, into some garden furniture and I was not moving from it because any hint of lateral movement was going to cause that to collapse. So when this dog drops its its toy at my feet, I'm like I can't bend forward and get that for you. You're out of fucking luck here, mate. He was not having it. He wasn't happy, was he? He was having a beaut time, though, playing with us. Like, I bet he goes out there all the time and just plays with like, yeah. the random people that stop at the stop off at this Airbnb. He's a, he's a, he was a proper um, um, wolf in sheep's clothing with things. Because when we first got there and I like, opened the back door... Like he he'd, he'd like trotted up like this little doddery old man with his little white snout and everything, and like give give him give him a bit of a scratch, and then he walked back off and like he found a sunbeam and just flopped onto the ground. And but ten minutes later, I did go out to look if he died. Um, he was just asleep. <laughs> but then <laughs> when Stick was there, he just he got his toy and it was this little fucking demon, little bastard, <laughs> running around with the squeaker, going <laughs> like squeaking it all the time. He was loving it. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Right. Anyway, we are going to go on to uh, Biggie's breaking news. Except it's Stiggy's breaking news this week. You may already know, but he doesn't, because it's time for Biggie's breaking news. You're going to have to put up with me reading the news. Oh, here we go. No. <laughs> We know what we know what it's like when I have to read stuff out. Yeah, we do. 
Right, first up in gaming, Xbox announces pizza-scented controller in collaboration with Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles. Wait, do we not get a song? I no. I oh, did my song at the beginning. It's not the same without a song. I know, but that's Biggie's. Biggie, I don't want to step on his toes. Anyway, back to the pizza. Yeah. I'll do you a little song later if you want. I'll clink okay. up one quickly. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, so Microsoft has proudly announced the first ever pizza-scented Proudly announced, pizza censored, uh, centered Xbox wireless controller as part of a collaboration with a new upcoming Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles film. Uh, the controller has four different designs, one of each for each turtle, and it has a built-in sense diffuser in the shape of a pizza slice, which you I can mean, only get if you win a draw. There's four available, and you can enter on Xbox on Twitter to, into a sweepstakes to win one of these controllers. Bold to think that most controllers don't already smell like pizza. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, mine certainly does. I, I, I actually seen it on TikTok before. I've I, I seen what it looks like. And it's so you get your Xbox controller and you take the back battery panel off and then it kind of clips onto that with another three AA batteries going into it. It's like a giant rumble pack, isn't it? Yeah. But pizza shaped. But then, you've, but then you've got to like drip in some pizza flavored essential oil into it. It's just an oil diffuser. But I'm thinking, what is the point? <laughs> Who wants that? Nobody wants this. It's also hideous. It's it's one of those cross promotional things where you're just like, why? <laughs> why? Like, who thought? Who sat in the in the meeting and went, we need we've, we've got to do a cross promotional thing with Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles. Yeah, I've got an idea. And they went, yeah, that sounds like a good idea. Do you think it was like Papa John that sneaked into the meeting or something? So I'm just going to plan this idea. With a moustache on, like, glasses, just going, make it pizza! Exactly. <laughs> like, they could have just done, like, a a, a, a a themed Xbox Series X. That would have sold. Like, make it just yeah, a themed I mean, controller. If you're going to give away controllers, just a, here's four controllers you can win, one for each turtle, so you have a unique controller. Yeah. Don't need the pizza diffuser. I mean, they did the Starfield controller. That's a theme controller. It's fucking great. It looks lovely. It's just a controller. Doesn't smell like stars. No. <laughs> no. But like the, 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 the two hardware integrations they've, they've done this year are Starfield with some really awesome looking hardware, like the headset, the watch, the controller. And now this. Which, and they're hideous. If you've seen the pictures of them, they're mm. awful looking. Yeah, things. they look awful. I mean, it's not as bad as PlayStation Spider-Man 1. Oh, no, that is dreadful. Oh, yeah. Yikes. <laughs> just... Oh, we've splashed blood across the PlayStation <laughs> and put a Spider-Man logo on it. I'm not sure how that represents Spider-Man. No, it's, like... no, no it's, it's a red console with the black Venom stuff sp uh, splashed over it, so it's inverted. Uh, it looks more like it's got blood splashed all over oh, it. Oh, I know, but yeah, it's dreadful. Anyway, on to Diablo, because there's always some Diablo news. There's always some Diablo, Diablo news. Diablo 4 Seasonal uh, Battle Pass doesn't contain enough platinum to buy literally anything. Yep, that's all that. Blizzard is yet in more hot water with Diablo 4 players with Diablo 4 players after it was realized that the popular action RPG Battle Pass only pays out 666 platinum upon completion, but there is nothing to buy anything. Everything is only There we go. First one. Yep. That is not enough to purchase the next seasonal battle pass or any cosmetics with the cheapest costing 800 platinum. Yeah, it's so, a shit yeah, shit idea. It's just the marketing because I thought, hey, this will look good. It's all demonic and Diablo. Let's do 666. Yay. And then no I like one. That bit. There's like the marketing team have not got in touch with like the microtransactions team to say, like, 
actually get anything for this. Because like, yeah. like, like, like normally when you do a battle pass, like you can earn enough credits to buy the next battle pass. That's how it's supposed to be the circular thing to keep you in the ecosystem with it. Yeah, Don't you think like Blizzard surprised themselves by how much things cost then? If they didn't know. Six 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 will be plenty, you'll be able to get loads of that. Oh. <laughs> yeah, which is what in the article here, Gadget, exactly what you said, that, that the usual thing is to kind of keep you in the in the loop by giving you enough to go on to the next one. Um so the battle pass is already ten dollars or like your local equivalent. And uh it's not only that this week, players are claiming that the game's UI is making people buy the battle pass by mistake yeah because it's it's one of those ones where I, I can't remember what the specific thing is but i think it's like some of the button prompts are inverted or something so if you try and like back out of it on x i think it's on xbox if you try and back out of it or something you end up actually purchasing it oh those motherfuckers and it doesn't give you a are you sure you want to buy this yeah it just literally lets you buy it Hang on, I'm gonna look at what, what that actually was yeah so it. yeah they're uh they're not doing very well. Game might be all right, but all the shit in the background that comes with these games seems <laughs> to be uh, absolute dog shit. Uh, okay, yeah. So as pointed out by streamer uh, Ruri Khan, the button to purchase the $10 Battle Pass sits close to the button that the players press to check their season journey. And what's more is that Diablo 4's cursor defaults to the premium pass button and the game doesn't ask players for purchase confirmation if they accidentally activate it. <laughs> So yeah, and this and that's not just like PC. That's like the the, the streamer who noticed this was playing it on PlayStation by the looks of it because yeah, R one L two yeah, so it's on PlayStation. So it's yeah, it's malicious design. They're great, aren't they? Well, Blizzard, yeah, <laughs> fucking wonderful. Yeah. It's, I'm so glad I haven't bought this game. <laughs> oh, Blizzard! Fuck's sake, will you ever learn? Uh, next, uh, Hot Wheels unleashes two. Unleash 2 gets Fast and Furious with crossover DLC. Oh, for fuck's sake. <laughs> I mean, it makes sense, doesn't it? Well, the Hot Wheels game and the DLC you can get with it is Fast and Furious. And you can get uh, the first of these uh, iconic cars. is a Dodge Charger, uh, SRT, Hellcat Wide Boy. That's Dom's car, isn't it? Yeah, and a whole lot of others. So, yeah, you can get a Fast and Furious DLC. So that's part of the... Fast and Furious law, so that means you and Biggie need to play that. <laughs> I, did, I, I, I did see that um, what, that terrible Fast and Furious game got put onto PlayStation Plus this month. <laughs> <laughs> I feel like you need to play it just to see. To see if there's any any kind anything of anything redeeming in it. Yeah, but if there's any kind of like dodgy Vin Diesel impressions, right in there. I think there is. From what I understand, there no, is. Is, is. Is that not the one where it's, it's it's like side characters recounting things? Like, I think it's like Elena and someone else like recounting uh, Dom's tales. There's one with Dom in it and it's like they've beefed him up by about 50%. <laughs> like Vin Diesel was like, yeah, just just beef me up a bit more. You know, just beef. And he looks like an inflated cloud when he's walking around. On the around. sliders, you know, when you make your character mus- more muscul- exactly. muscular. Yeah. yeah, exactly. Just looks like a giant thumb. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, he always does look a bit like a giant thumb, doesn't he? Mm, quite thummy. He's yeah. a very thummy man. So that that's, that arrives in October. You can get that and your Fast and Furious DLC. Next. Next to myself here. Xbox begins handing out 15-day bans for using retail mode emulators. So as everyone knew that you could emulate on an Xbox Series X and a Series S, 
Uh, and Microsoft is trying to put a stop to it. Uh, back in April, Microsoft began banning and blocking access to emulators through the retail mode on the two consoles, but um, there wasn't enough to fully detail the retail mode emulating scene. However, it's now been reported that a significant number of Xbox users will ha- will, who have been accessing these emulators have now been receiving 15-day bans. I mean, that's kind of fair enough because they'll, they'll, they'll be using that argument. It's like, well, if you can sideload an emulator on this, you can probably crack the copy protection. That, and they're probably worried about getting sued, sued by Nintendo. Well, yeah, because it's always it's, Nintendo, isn't it? Yeah. Although Sony, they love to try and sue them and keep them in court these days, don't they? So, Yeah. But no, it's, um, fine. it's fine. It's fair enough. I could, you can't really argue with that one. Yeah. No, Biggie will be crying now. Of course he will. He'll just have to emulate <laughs> things on the 10,000 other gadgets that he has in the house that emulate things. <laughs> That's true. <laughs> uh, speaking of Xbox, Xbox and Square Enix announced plans to partner closely on future games. Xbox boss Phil Spencer made a surprise appearance as part of the Final Fantasy XIV Fan Festival 2023 in Las Vegas, where it was announced that Final Fantasy XIV will be coming to the Xbox Series X and S in spring 2024. Uh, following this, Spencer and Square Enix CEO Takahashi Kiryu confirmed that the new plans have now been put in place to partner with more closely on future games. Hmm. I didn't even know Final Fantasy XIV wasn't on um, Xbox, to be honest. It's, I can't imagine why it wouldn't be, but they, there you go. Maybe an exclusive. They've always been quite deal. Pro, like Sony related, like Sony and PC, haven't they? They've yeah. never yeah, really sure. been on Xbox much. This, yeah, this... I mean, I only played, I played 15 on um, Xbox, but even then it didn't feel, I was just just so used to the PlayStation controllers with Final Fantasy games, it just didn't feel right, but. You just felt a bit dirty with that one, like playing Sonic on a Switch. Yeah, yeah, it just didn't sit right, like you're wearing <laughs> somebody else's knickers. <laughs> <laughs> it's just, it's another, another Xbox win for me. Yeah. Just, mm. They're just, you're just kind of racking up things out there and partnering uh, and, with people and whatnot yeah, and ultimately more games and more places to get them is better for players exclusivity sucks yeah agreed yes it does and speaking of exclusive games that aren't technically exclusive anymore uh, ratchet and clank rift apart peaks at less than nine thousand concurrent players on steam it is now the worst pc launch for a playstation game uh, it still holds very positive reviews uh, with 84%, but this makes Rift Apart the, under the third worst launch on a PC for a PlayStation game, only above Returnal and Sackboy, a big adventure. Yeah. I mean, I think it's just a game PC players just weren't looking out for. No. It's a good game. I liked yeah, it. It's a great game. I got it with my uh, the bundle of my yeah, PS5. Same. And um, yeah, I enjoyed it, and it looks absolutely stunning. And I reckon if you've got a PC that can do all the ray tracing and all that stuff, it would look absolutely stunning on one of them. Yeah, well, plus it does like ultra wide support and high, higher refresh rates and frame rates and stuff like that. So yeah, yeah, it's. I mean, it's a great. It's also, I think, the fact is it came out. At, it's like an eight hour game, and it came out at fifty quid. I think mm. PC players are will wait. That will sell more when it gets cheaper. I think. I think that's probably on quite a lot of wish lists. Yeah, like, it's in the same way that like Returnal start was a roguelike, a roguelike that came out at fifty quid, and no one was like, no, <laughs> no one will buy a fifty pound game on PC unless it's got a, unless it's a time sink. Yeah, like Sack, mm. Sack Boy's Big Adventure is forty nine ninety nine. No one's paying that for it. No, 
I think that sold less than a thousand or something like that on his first week. Um, I've never been a Sackboy fan. Never interested me. No. He's not Mario, is he? No. (laughs) It's like they tried to make him their kind of mascot, but they need to make Astrobot the official mascot and get more Astrobot games out. Yeah. Uh, Give us Astrobot's adventure. Yeah. Sackboy is part of the PS3 curse, wasn't he, to be fair? So I think a lot of people missed him the first time around. Yeah, PC games aren't gonna, PC players aren't going to pay that anyway. So, it, like you said, if it goes down into a sale and it's twenty quid, you probably see a lot of people picking it up at that. Yeah. Plus, also, I think now that it's easier to get a PS Five, that there's so many copies of that as secondhand days at the minute because again, loads of people got it with their PS Five. Yeah. So you can get it on PS Five for I think about twenty five quid now. So why would you pay fifty on PC unless you, you yeah, you're not going to? Are yeah. you? There's probably a load in CEX. Yeah. Because, like you said, it came came with a console that was the only thing to play. Played it, <laughs> done, got rid of. <laughs> it was it, it, good a game as it is. It really was just a tech demo for the PS5, wasn't it? So it was just showing off oh, what yeah. you could do. Yeah. Uh, finally, within gaming, Fallout New Vegas mod replaces Mr. House with Elon Musk. <laughs> <laughs> I, I love this. We were just talking about it before the before we started recording. Like the face looks incredible. They've used. Um, AI to replicate his voice as well, so it's just spot on. <laughs> oh, I really need to play New Vegas again. It's been so long. So good. Yeah, it says, now a fresh Fallout New Vegas mod adds a contemporary modern flair to the Mojave Wasteland. Ma- Mojave. Mojave. Mojave Wasteland, uh, replacing FNV's central <laughs> antagonist with SpaceX and Twitter owner Elon Musk. This is the perfect excuse to return to Fallout New Vegas as if you needed one. Mm-hmm. It's true. Oh God, just listen to the AI voice they've got is really good as well. Yeah. <laughs> it's scary what they can do. I've got New Vegas, but on Epic, so I wonder if it's available. Uh, yeah, it, it, it's, it's not Steam Workshop, the mods on that. It's all Nexus Mod Manager. Yeah. So, yeah. I, you might you, have to play that game. It, oh, it's really good. It's janky as all fuck. Mm. It is held together with sticky tape and a probe and a prayer. a charm, though, isn't it? Oh, yeah, you've got to love the jank. This, this is pure... Hey, Todd didn't even work on it, but it's pure Todd jank. Yeah. Um, There's probably a bit of code in there that's like just... It is just Todd jank. <laughs> but that's what yeah. it does it all. <laughs> that's the magic. But Lose the, it all together. I mean, I mean, the, the great thing about it as well is, that, is, is Mr. House is such, is such an Elon Musk character. He is this kind of weird arch-libertarian technologist that wants to remake Vegas in his own image, and it's just like... Yeah, that's what Musk is trying to do. But the, <laughs> yeah. the, 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 dif- the difference between Mr. House and Musk is that Mr. House has an army of Robotrons. It won't be long. Don't give him ideas for fuck's sake. Elon will just have an, an army of Teslas that will catch fire as soon as they're, they're sent out. <laughs> yeah. They'll crash into each other. <laughs> <laughs> but if you haven't played Fallout New Vegas, play Fallout New Vegas. It's fucking excellent. I'll have to give it a go one. Day when I've finished playing everything else. Too many games. <laughs> Too many games. All right, on to film and TV. Uh, Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles, Mutant Mayhem has announced a sequel and a Paramount Plus tie-in series. So Paramount and Nickelodeon have partnered and set to produce a sequel to the movie, which isn't even out yet. Yeah, it's going to say it's second. It? Yeah, and a spin-off series. So they must be pretty, um, pretty happy with the out, you know, the final output and outcome of the. The film. It does look bloody good though. Yeah. From the tra- like just from the art direction, it looks cool. It's sort of like stop motion, but obviously it's 3D. It's like it's like yeah. a Spider-Verse look, isn't it? Yeah. They're 3D cell shaded. 
I've seen I again. just like that they're teenagers. I just like that that they use teenagers for the voices. I know that they actually have like squeak. Well, one of them has a proper squeaky voice, doesn't he? Yeah. Yeah. Um, well, it's currently sat at ninety six percent off fifty two reviews on Rotten Tomatoes. So it's doing all right. So yeah, so they must have been happy <laughs> enough before even before the reviews came in. So yeah, sequels ago and spin off series. I think I, th- you- I think they probably would have had the, like the spin off series kind of waiting in the wings anyway, like seeing a series. Yeah, because it's the kind of kind of thing that. Uh, Nickelodeon and Paramount can franchise that for years. You know, it's it's always a thing whenever there's a new kind of turtle series or the um the reboot the cartoon or the repeat the cartoon, there's always a huge merchandising push. Mm. Like, God, do you not remember the fucking chaos in the early nineties when we when we were watching it? Oh yeah. <laughs> oh yeah, I remember it Chris, well. Chris, what- Christmas nineteen ninety one, not a turtle be to be found. <laughs> <laughs> dome thing you used to be able to go i used to really really want it my friend had yeah my friend my my bestie had it he had all the cool fucking turtle toys and i got fuck all we had the van i think yeah we had the pretty sure we had the van we had the van i had all four of the turtles themselves i'd never had splinter i think i had no i had bebop and rocksteady i didn't have shredder yeah i think i had some ooze (laughs) oh yeah yeah yeah, those tins of ooze that every parent hated because it stayed in the carpets (laughs) green Oh, they still sell that shit. (laughs) (laughs) Yes, but me and Candy aren't parents. We don't have to worry about that. (laughs) It's one of the things I try to ban from my house. We don't have to worry about ooze or glitter. Glitter and ooze. Get rid. (laughs) Yeah, no, it looks good. I'm looking forward to seeing it. Um, So, yeah, that that should be good. Uh, Just a quick one. We had a new trailer for Castlevania Nocturnal this week, uh, a premiere date of September the 28th. No surprise. Looks great. I've not seen that yet. Oh, I, the Castlevania series was banging. Yeah, mm. love the Castlevania series, so we're up for more. I, re- I really hope they kind of keep the slightly snidey, slightly camp atmosphere from the last series. I'm like, sure they will. I mean, Trevor Belmont was just a fucking queen all the way through, wasn't he? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Might have to rewatch it. Oh, so good. Yeah, I need to. I almost started last night. I started playing Devil May Cry 5. It's like, mm. Castlevania is better. I want to watch the anime, so maybe I will tonight. You should. It's what it, 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 it's one of those rare occasions where Netflix did something good. Yeah, very good. I really want that castle, that bloody Devil May Cry series. Don't think it's ever going to happen. It's never happening. Nah. Uh, Spider Man Beyond the Spider Verse delayed indefinitely, as you probably expected. Delay comes amidst working stoppages due to the ongoing WA, WGA and SAG AFTRA strikes. Uh, per sources cited by Variety, the voice cast of Beyond the Spider-Verse won't be able to compete, uh, complete their work for the film in time for the previous March 29th, 2024 planned release date, which, by all accounts, was a... Probably uh, a tall order anyway. Uh, yeah. Mm. If they were still doing voice work this year, like you would, you would have expected them all the voice work for both films to be done, um, and it all just be animation work for the next year. Yeah, that's not coming out till 2025, yeah. minimum. Fine. Yeah, that's fine. Yep, they need, Everything they, they, can, anything could be delayed until this gets sorted. Yep, they need paying and they need to not rush these things. Yep. Uh, next, uh, Barbie rakes in 500 million in its first week, smashing box office re- and studio records. This is now actually up to 750 million, I think. Jesus as Christ. Of today. Wow. <laughs> in its first week. Uh, Barbie movies grossed more than 500 million in global sales in its first week and set the uh, multiple best for both its stars and uh, Warner Brothers pictures, including. Uh, continuing its record-breaking run that started with this year's biggest opening weekend, 
the comedy about Mattel Inc.'s famous doll is now the biggest opening for a movie based on a toy and Warner Brothers' best uh, seven-day opening ever. You, it you, is not- you, you want to think that the Warner Brothers executives are just like, phew, after the <laughs> last year or so, they finally got a hit. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Uh, it's knocked the Dark Knight off the top spot for earnings made in its opening Monday. So the Dark Knight held the like the most earnings on a Monday after its opening weekend since it came out, and it's managed to knock that off its perch. See, everyone knew Barbie could kick Batman's ass. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, speaking of the other big film out this week, Oppenheimer Blaze has passed massive milestone at Global Box Office. Director Christopher Nolan's three hours uh, biographical drama Oppenheimer is performing like one of his superhero movies at the box office. Not only did it pass the lifetime global hall of Batman Begins, it's now hit the 400 million mark at the worldwide box office after just 10 days in theaters. That's brilliant. Uh, it is one of the, it is the best second weekend hauls ever for an R-rated movie. Generate 72 million this weekend from overseas markets. Yeah, I think, wasn't it, for R-rated movies, I think it was only topped by Deadpool or something like that. Oh, really? Yeah. Some, some, something like that. Tenth biggest Hollywood film of the year at the global box office, just behind Transformers: Rise of the Beast and John wow. Wick Chapter Four. Who the fuck went to see Transformers? China. They, yeah, they, 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 <laughs> they pull in a lot of Transformers films. Pull in a lot still. Same as Fast and Furious ones. They just yeah, true. People still pay to see them. Uh, but it's good. It's good that two films that are original and not sequels or franchises have absolutely smashed it considering they've both come out on the same day. Mm. And I think that the hype between them and the whole Barbenheimer thing has just massively helped both films. Oh, yeah. Oh, I fully agree. Yeah, there was, yeah, there was absolutely a bunch of people who I wouldn't have expected to see in either of those films. Like, loads of people dressed in pink for uh, Oppenheimer. Because <laughs> <laughs> they've done the double bill. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I got my pink shorts on to go see Barbie. I got pinked up too. It had to be done. I, know, yeah. I never wear pink. I wear, but I wore burgundy because I don't own pink. Because <laughs> I don't want to look like a bubblegum. <laughs> yeah, don't, don't diss my pink shorts, mate. Uh, no, no, finally... I would look like a bubblegum. I'm fucking round, you dickhead. <laughs> uh, finally, speaking of Barbie, the Barbie soundtrack makes history in the UK single charts. Barbie's all-conquering reach has extended to the UK music charts where the movie's soundtrack album has broken records. Just just a week after the film was released in the UK, three tracks have arrived in the top five of the official singles charts. This is the first time this has happened, according to those supervising the charts. BBC reports that the film has further made history with a total of six tracks from the soundtrack in the top 40. Hmm. It's a very good soundtrack. So, uh, What I Was Made For by Billie Eilish is at number three. Dance the Night Away, Dua Leap at number four. Barbie World, Nicki Minaj and I Spice number five. And I can fully see that Billie Eilish song probably ending up at number one after a few weeks as well. I think it's probably going to be recognised as a classic. Like, like my, my, It is one of her best songs. Yeah. And I'm just Ken, number 25. <laughs> <laughs> I, I may be most of that. <laughs> <laughs> And finally, on to the weird, weird and wonderful web. Um, I've just come across this news story from a screenshot I saw in another Discord. So I had to share it, even though it's from a few years ago. 
Duck walks into pub, drinks pint, fights dog and loses. Maintains bow tie. This is not a joke. <laughs> I saw that. Britain's booziest duck that became a celebrity for downing pints in his local pub has been seriously injured following a brawl with a dog. The bird called Star is well known for waddling around his favourite inns, wearing a bow tie and swigging ale from glasses. The booze-looking duck and his handler, Barry Herman, are a regular sight at their local tavern, some of which even give Star their own, his own stool. Uh, okay, so it wasn't a wild duck. I was going to say, where the fuck did the bow tie come from? It was yeah. a wild duck. <laughs> Star came to blows and lost out to Pooch, Meggie, one, uh, which is, also belongs to Star's owner, Barry. They had a Mexican standoff and <laughs> stared at each other. Stead each other out before the hound pounced, leaving the duck with his bottom beak split down the middle. Oh, I love ducks. Uh, he rushed be right. the beer-loving avian to the vets, where he, where he was put on painkillers and said he was praying for his blood duck to make a full recovery. Aww. I'm just going to make sure that he did before I read yeah. the story. He's <laughs> <laughs> not in a pancake or anything now. Thankfully, our star is a tough cookie, but it looks like he came out okay. Good. So, they need yeah. to rename that pub the Duck and Wallop or something, don't they? <laughs> Hell, I'll fucking buy a pub and call it that. I like that. <laughs> uh, Barry was concerned the injury would leave Star with a lisp that would put his performance career in jeopardy. <laughs> <laughs> As the duo regularly team up to raise hundreds of pounds for charity in their unique street double act. What does a duck with a lisp sound like? Fuck. <laughs> <laughs> But yeah, I just saw that headline. In, it was in uh, Punk's uh, Discord, and it was just the headline enough was enough for me to go check to make sure it wasn't just a fake one, but it's not. It's a real story. So the duck had a bit of a malardy. <laughs> <laughs> right, that's the news. Now we're going to get on to what we've been up to. Uh, you probably guess what we've been up to based on the intros and everything so far. Um, so, Barbenheimer, we've all seen it. All seen both. Yep. Did we all do the double bill? Yeah, I couldn't, I unfortunately. I didn't have to, I had to do the uh, I had to do Oppenheimer and then Barbie a few days uh, later just because of... That's the it? way... I'd say I did the double bill. That's the way I did it as well. But only because the Sunny World Gods had it that way. If it was my, if it was up to me, I'd have done Boom Brunch Barbie. Didn't have that choice. We did, we did I, Boom I Brunch I was sent Barbie. to bed with the... Exis- I, I got sent to bed with the existential crisis, <laughs> <laughs> well, okay. Should, should right. we start, start with Oppenheimer? Start with Oppenheimer. You go. You start, Gadget. Okay. So, um, yeah, Oppenheimer. We, when Pip and I went, that's the one we saw first. We did Boom Brunch Barbie. Um, Oppenheimer is it? It's been lauded as as one of Chris Nolan's greatest films. It is a three hour and seven minute biography of what happened to J. Robert Oppenheimer and the Manhattan Project with the creation of the nuclear bomb starting in 1942 or 43, something like that. And it tells his story from being a student in Cambridge all the way up to the bomb being dropped. And then after after the Second World War, the concerted effort by members of the US Senate to discredit him over a tiny perceived slight. Mm. And it stars everybody. Everybody. I'm not kidding. Everybody uh, uh, on the IMD page, IMDb page. Now we have Killian Murphy, Emily Blunt, Matt Damon, Robert Downey Jr., Alden Enerek, Scott Grimes, Jason Clark, Kurt Cola, Tony Goldwyn, John Gowans, James Dacey, Ken Branagh turns up for a couple of scene chewing areas. Uh, you get cameos by 
David Dalmatian and Jack Quaid's in there. Yeah. Um, Florence. I mean, Florence Pugh doesn't even make the top bit of it, and she's yeah. critical to the story. Yeah. <laughs> like, it's insane how many people are in this. Um, the film is is told in three different timelines. So there is the timeline of uh, Robert Downey Jr. plays uh, Admiral Lewis Strauss, who's being interviewed for um, a cabinet position in I can't remember which president's cabinet, but in Truman. No, no, it wasn't Truman. It was much later. After, isn't it? Yeah, it's after, isn't it? Yeah, so. I can't. I can't remember. It might be, might be Nixon's. Uh, I think I don't know. Anyway, I think it was the one before Kennedy. I think wasn't it? Oh, maybe. Uh, anyway, yeah. So he, he's being interviewed by the Senate panel, and he's got to. He's got to the point where the, where he's worried that they're going to ask what happened with Robert Oppenheimer, and so then his story comes out. All of that is shot in black and white because it's Strauss's memory of what happened. We then get directly from Oppenheimer's perspective, and then we also get the people around Oppenheimer in a um, in the kind of interview sessions ahead of that. Um, no uh, interview sessions about him being discredited. They haven't removed his um, security clearance. Mm. Yeah. So yeah, it's a complicated film. It's incredibly, it's incredible how well. Um, Nolan has managed to weave these three threads through because they cover about 30 years in total. Mm. Yeah, and you've got, like like you said, you've got this Senate hearing, you've got this small like interview room thing going on with Oppenheimer about what happened and almost like a little kangaroo court thing. And then you've got this story following the actual story of what happened. And I didn't feel lost once. No. Mm. Never felt lost with it on where it was going on even though it switches between the three situations constantly. Yeah. I think that is because of the colour grading, like with some of it being black and white, some of it being very starkly... Like the bits where it is Oppenheimer's perspective, like when it's doing the Manhattan Project stuff, there is a weird warmness to it that kind of makes it feel like his memory as opposed to anybody else's, which I quite like. Um, yeah, it's a fucking luscious film. Like it's yeah. beautifully put together. All... It's also all the more impressive that there are no CGI scenes in it. Yes. There are a lot of special effects. Like, especially because there's this whole thing where it, I don't know if it's something Oppenheimer himself actually said, but someone basically said that Oppenheimer sees the stars. Oppenheimer mm. sees physics. I guess like seeing the Matrix kind of thing. And there are visual representations of that. And every, as I was watching, I was trying to work out how did they do that? It's got to be all macro lenses and like dropping things in front of the camera and stuff. But it looked great. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, it's incredible. And when um, the moment happens, I thought it was done so effectively as well. And just the fact that that's not even a, that's not even CG. No, like how on earth? But I, I think I mean they. I don't think it's going to be too much of a spoiler to say that they didn't show the actual bombings of Japan. And I think that's probably to its credit. Yes, I think there's a sign of respect. And think- it, that that's but you know Oppenheimer's story had finished before that happened anyway. That wasn't. Oppenheimer, that Oppenheimer didn't have a part to play in that specific. No, he's built event the bomb. Other than, yeah, I think. Um, I, I think also. I think also it was important that they didn't show what happened to Japan because it wasn't about what happened to Japan. It was about yeah. the bomb. Yeah, yeah, exactly. That's what. That's what I'm trying to get at. But um, I think for, for me, it wasn't quite what I expected. Not to its detriment, but I was expecting. I think probably a little bit more spectacle and science rather than the the, the court the courtroom drama. Yeah, I, I didn't knew, expect that. 
a decent amount up to I knew the uh, the the poisoned apple thing. I know I'm getting expelled from Cambridge. Um, I knew up until basically the bombs drop. After that, I knew nothing. So it was a real open uh, open eye. It was an <laughs> eye opener <laughs> um, to learn about everything that follows. Just yeah, in- incredible. And it's so gripping as well for something that's like, what was it, three hours, three hours, 15 minutes? Three hours, seven, I think. Of, a, of essentially interviews and courtroom drama. It was just completely gripping. I mean, if, if they'd split that up into a TV series, it would have been one of the greatest HBO things ever made. Mm. Yeah, I was, because um, it's three hours, I needed to go to the loo at one point, And I was just sat there going, when can I go? Yeah. Like, I just couldn't find a place because it just doesn't, it's, it doesn't feel like there's any downtime or any moment that you can go, so you're not going to lose anything. And then I've, I started in the loo when it was like building up to when the bomb was going to be like tested. <laughs> I was like, well, I can't go now. So I just sit there like waiting for the... <laughs> but yeah, I just, um, I, I found the performances in it excellent as well, as well as obviously the way it was shot, edited, and the cinematography, all of that was excellent. But the performances in this are outstanding. Um, Killian Murphy is just brilliant throughout. And I thought the way they made him look throughout the whole thing was really well done. You could see the passage of time on the people. Oh, the makeup like, department absolutely need to win an Oscar this year because like yeah. the makeup is incredible. The makeup is great. Uh the 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 way they act is if being younger and then being older is really convincing. But yeah, him, Emily Blunt, Robert Downey Jr., Matt Damon, like all these like central characters that were there like from the majority of the story, all of them just brilliant. I think, um, I mean, I, I saw it in IMAX. Just a hint, you don't need to see it in IMAX. The only, the only bit, of the, the only visual bit that is improved by, would be improved by IMAX is the bomb itself going off. However, if you can see it in IMAX, cool, because you need the sound. Oh my mm. God, the sound in that film. Yeah, the, I agree. The sound is more, way more interesting than what you're seeing in front of you. It is. There are a couple of sequences, and I'm not going to spoil what they are. Um, but I was talking to you about it yesterday, Stig, the, um, the, the, the speech moment, um, where the sound becomes oppressive, like, and it then kind of blends with the visuals, but you get this kind of booming, booming sound com- coming at you. And like, listening to IMAX, like I thought I could feel it in my chest. It was so powerful. And yeah. I think like, the, I mean, Ludwig Goranson did the music and that's all outstanding, but like the editing and the sound stuff, Oh my god, it's so good. That's very typical of Nolan, though, isn't it? To have the sound almost be overwhelming at some parts. Yeah, like it you was... said, it just—I thought at some point, oh god, the cinema, I've got, I've got this on really loud. It's not. It's just the way it's been mixed. Yeah, it was. It was on purpose to. You were almost like put into his head, where like he was just sensory overload for him, and it was yeah. projecting that onto you as the audience as well. Oh, it's mm. stunning film, stunning film, and. Actually, I will say for a three-hour film, it didn't feel like three hours. Like I was quite surprised when it ended. I thought the ending came quickly. Yeah, I, was very I thought that, and also at the end, <laughs> yeah. Oh, yeah, did not leave that feeling good. <laughs> no. Yeah, but I mean, there wasn't any part of it that could have been cut out either. Really, it's not like it was three hours for the sake of being self-indulgent. Like this was, it, there wasn't happening. a moment that was wasted. It's all, it's all stuff that happened. So yeah, it needs, it needed to be the three hours. Yeah, and again, it's kind of. One of those, I think we talked about um, Gadget, you brought up uh, a touring film with Benedict Cumberbatch. Yeah. And it's just one of those things where the government uses somebody for their expertise and spits, 
chews them up, spits them out when they're done with them, and it it, it leaves you feeling very kind of annoyed at how these yeah. governments treat these people who essentially did wonderful things for them. And uh, yeah, it's just one of those ones where you're just feeling quite angry about things. And yeah, yeah you do. And, and it's, I mean, especially, I mean, it's obviously it's horrible what happened to Alan Turing. But I think this one also would feel it's, I mean, it's pointed out in the film. It is so incredibly petty why what happens to Oppenheimer happens to him. Like yeah. it's, it's not that there is a particular problem with this character or he is weird or he is gay or anything like that. It is just this tiny little perceived social slight be- mm. between him and one of the characters. And he makes it his life's work to destroy him. It's yeah. hideous. It's absolutely hideous. Yeah. But overall, just fantastic. I, yeah. Like I said to you, like it wouldn't be, it's not my favourite Nolan film, but I think the difference between a masterpiece is probably, it probably is his masterpiece, but the difference between that and what I, it's my favourite and more enjoyable to watch. Two different things for me, yeah. really. I mean, my, my, mm. my favourite is still The Dark Knight. Yeah. So, um, yeah. The Dark Knight is a film you can rewatch. I will never watch Oppenheimer again. That I don't need to. This is like, this is like the mo- a modern Schindler's List to me. This, yeah. Oppenheimer is a beautiful, wonderful, deeply terrible, horrible film because of the content in it. Everyone plays an amazing part. And because they play an amazing part, you get the horror. Mm. Um, and it's a slow burn and it's so tense all the way through. And everyone is playing it so well. It's just like, you don't come out of that film feeling good, but you come out of that film no. having seen one of the greatest films ever made. Mm. Yeah, I, I think comparing to Schindler's List is probably right in terms of it's an important film that you need to see, but not one that you really ever need to see again. It no, just as how good it is. It's not a Sunday afternoon watch, is it? God, mm. God, no. <laughs> yeah, if this, if this isn't the the film that gets all the nominations at the Oscars, then there's something wrong because it's for main performances, supporting performances, director, editing, cinematography, sound, makeup, like the list goes on that it, it, if I think this could be what wins Nolan an Oscar. Yeah, because he hasn't won an Oscar yet himself, has he? His films, some of his no. films have, but he hasn't. No. Oh, that's surprising. So. Do you think Hillian got a uh, Oscar? I think he'll definitely get nominated. Yeah. I think he's going to get nominated. I think Robert Downey Jr. will, because one of the most impressive things for me in this, about with Robert Downey Jr. as well, is he spent 10 years being Iron Man, and you don't get a hint of that in this film. I was going to say it must have been such a breath of fresh air for him, but yeah. you could, it's completely, I mean, it's unrecognisable, not just by his appearance, but like you said, his mannerisms, his acting style, everything. Yeah. He, he must have just used it so cathartically. As it kind of like shedding of Iron Man and doing something so so different. There's a, there's a moment near the end where Strauss gets angry, and it, it kind of shocked me because I've not seen Robert Downey Jr. do genuine anger before. Mm. That yeah. felt like like he the person Robert Downey Jr. was pissed off. Like and it just proves how good an actor he actually. That is. was the moment I was just thinking. I did sit there. I thought, wow, like that's going to be what gets him noticed as specifically from the film he's very good for out but that moment there is that's the kind of one that everyone will show and show clips yeah. of like because because like throughout the rest of the film because he's because he's in the senate hearing and it's all about like him selling himself and trying not to trying not to get too much into what happened with oppenheimer he he's kind of tony starkish he's very charming he's very affable you know he's 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 playing like what i would say is in robert downey jr's wheelhouse of a character 
Um, and then there's that moment where he explodes. I'm like, oh, no, this is a new level, this one. This is an yeah. unreal performance. Um, I think Emily Blunt definitely needs to be nominated. Um, there's I one think... particular moment with her, which is incredible. No spoilers, but yeah, I was just kind of sat there with like a big grin on my face and during that moment. It's the thought she was just brilliant. Yeah. I... I think like there aren't really awards for like kind of like smaller roles in these things because it's always just like act, actor and supporting actor and stuff like that. Because I I would have thought Tom Conti should should get some kind of recognition for playing Einstein. I thought he was really good as yeah. Einstein. Yeah. yeah. Well, I mean, Judy Dench got a Oscar for being on screen for about six minutes. Oh, true. Yeah. Before, so you know, it can like, happen. Florence Pugh is great as Oppenheimer's mistress and. Um, David Dalmatian is great as William Borden um, and finally he's got a role where he doesn't have to be a real fucking creep <laughs> I've played an actual I, real person I saw something as, oh, oh Matt final. Damon sorry Matt Damon needs, needs, needs nominating um, like, I'm all for Josh Hartnett doing his Matthew McConaughey like coming yeah. back and doing serious roles and being really good in them and because he's really good in this and he was really good in that Black Mirror episode. Yeah. And yeah, he's, I, now he's in his 40s. I was quite surprised to see serious him. roles. I didn't yeah. even know he was still working. He, well, it's he, obviously a comeback, isn't it? Like he hasn't been doing anything, I think, for the best part of 20 years. So, yeah, because he, he kind of lost that. Well, he's a bit too old to be putting in the heartthrob te- late teen, yeah. early 20s role now. And now people start to use him like for serious roles and he's been very good uh, in the last two things I've seen so yeah just looking at his IMDB like his, his recent stuff he's done a lot of like straight to DVD action films like mm. things with titles like Inherit the Viper <laughs> or Target Number One um, yeah so he's not really had a career for years has he no but if no. you're gonna oh, he, was, he, he was in 27 episodes of Penny Dreadful that was the last thing he did Prop, like I would say proper thing he did mm. But yeah, yeah, no, he's great in this. I didn't even realise he could act properly. I just thought he was supposed to be just like a kind of like likeable heartthrob. Full of like well, char- I mean, it was the same characters with, in this as well, isn't he? Matthew Mahogany. Matthew McCogany. Mahogany, you know. yeah. yeah. You know, that yeah. guy. <laughs> Mahogany. Yeah, completely the same, you know, typecast. And Hugh Grant as well. Once they get over the kind of foppish, you know, love, love interest, these people do end up being quite fine actors. Yeah, true, so. I suppose, yeah. Yeah, great film. So that's one amazing film this week. Yep. Or last week. Uh, on to the next one. Barbie. Come on, Candy, tell us about Barbie. Um, Barbie. I have a strong opinion. Um, oh, no. I was... <laughs> no, I didn't love it. So I went and I was, I was hyped up. Um... It did have laugh out loud moments. It, for the first maybe 45 minutes, I was really enjoying it. I was along for the ride. I think my issue was I was expecting, again, it's one, it wasn't quite the film I was expecting it to be. Um, this time, to its detriment, unfortunately, I think I was expecting more of a sort of fish out of water kind of tale. Um, to me, and I'm going to sound like um, probably all those horrible people on the internet. But I did find it a little bit too, like the message was there and it tended to slap you around the head with it a little bit too hard. And um, towards the end, it wasn't a case of, you know, maybe men and women can work together to, for the better. It was, no, nope, men fail, women are back, everything's better now. That was that was the issue for me. 
I think it, if it was less, if it was less of a brick to the face, I would have enjoyed it more. But I don't. I just don't like the kind of pitting sexes or pitting any kind of um, the group of people against one another and making it a competition. That that was that's what I took umbrage with. I think if that wasn't quite so, if that wasn't quite such a strong message, I would have enjoyed it a lot more. So I enjoyed it because of that. <laughs> <laughs> Isn't that of, funny uh, though that you're you're a guy saying that and I'm a woman? Yeah, I was going to say I, I I want to disagree That's with you, I but then I feel like first. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I want to disagree with you, but I don't want to be all patriarchy about it. Because um, <laughs> I because I took a different read from the film. Mm. I I I I took because obviously the okay so Greta Gerwig film Margot Robbie Ryan Gosling they play Barbies and Kens. Barbie's having the best days ever until she has a bad day. She goes to the real world. Shit kicks off. That's the run of the story. Very funny. Um, I saw it less as, um, I mean, yeah, it does. The, the message does hit you across the face. I thought it did it in a good way, though. But I don't think it kind of, by the time you get to the end of it, I think it does level men and women out, but not in the way that most people would expect. Like, they're not, they're not equal. The Barbies have their world back, and everyone's happy about that. And then the Kens are happy about things because they've got a direction and a purpose. Because at the beginning of the film, they don't have a direction and a purpose. The Kens are just Ken. They're the accessory to Barbie. And by the end of the film, they become... But but by by the time they get to the end, the Kens have um, their own autonomy. Like, they're seen as... They're not seen as the accessories to Barbies. They are are (laughs) Kenuff, as the T-shirt says, which I'm totally going to buy one day. Um... (laughs) I loved it. I thought it was such a fucking good film. Yeah, I mean, I didn't hate it. It just, it just didn't sit particularly well with me. I think, um, like I said, it did have laugh out moments. Margot Robbie and um, oh, his name's gone. Ryan Gosling. Ryan Gosling, absolutely stellar. Ryan Gosling in particular. Oh, he runs away with the film, which is also wildly ironic. Yeah, considering well, the mess. Yeah. Considering, yeah, exactly. Considering it's like she's everything, and he's just Ken. Mm. No, he runs th- away with it. I think that you, for me, there was a scene where um, one of the characters is listening, listing how difficult it is to be a woman, and how we have this problem, that this problem, this problem. And I was sitting there and thinking, yeah, but th- this is not exclusive to women. You know, men suffer with these problems too. And is it just you know, but is it a bit belittling? And I know we've always had films that will praise men and put women down and. And now it's kind of, you know, a refreshing change. But actually, I think, well, we know better than to do that. It's, you know, it's 2023. We know better than to put one sex above the other. We know better than to put a certain group down. We we all have, as, as humans, we all have these problems. You know, you can't tell me that, you know, a man can't feel self-conscious well, or feel put down by people above him and in, in work and everything. Well, yeah, but that that is that is addressed in the film because that's when yeah. when when Ken starts crying and Barbie goes to him, and and she gives him the approval to cry and to be upset about things, you know that yeah. it's it, I think the I think the problem is a lot of the feminist message is told to you in words, mm. whereas the other messages are told by specific actions. Um, but again, would you say that's then a woman saying no, it's okay to do that? As in, like a giving permission kind of thing. I don't think it was a giving permission thing. I think it was just a, it's okay to cry. As a yeah, man, because... you're okay to cry. And you're okay to cry in front of women. Don't 
don't worry about it. it. Yeah, it's not giving explicit permission, but like she she doesn't scold him for crying is what I'm saying. It's like she right, just right, hugs right. him and, you know, he then feels like he can cry in front of her. You know, that's what I mean by giving permission. Not actually, oh, yeah, not her saying, yes, you can cry again. Um, <laughs> <laughs> so um, outside of the film's message, um, I thought it was just a lot, because I thought it was a lot of fun and I enjoyed like the kind of setup of Barbie world. And even kind of, I took Amelia to watch this and she got that. She got kind of got like how the houses and everything were made to look like actual Barbie toys and how oh, the Barbies moved and everything. Production and like, design's amazing. Their feet I... are like angled like a Barbie's, like that's how they walk and all of that. Like that looked amazing. I thought all, oh, I loved how, if you look at the credits and all, they're all just Barbie. Even though they all have like jobs and purposes within the film, President Barbie and stereotypical Barbie and this Barbie, like, the whole point is they're all just Barbie and these guys are all just Ken and and that's fine. And you can all just... And I just thought it was a lot of fun. I thought the dialogue was really good fun. Um, I I loved the bit where they go from Barbie world to the real world. Oh, the like transition that, scenes. The are transition great. scenes, really good. And I also kind of liked how the real world was still slightly not the real world. Like, it's not... It was kind of saying all this stuff does happen, the catcalling stuff and and you know, the kind of men are in charge in most boardrooms, which is true, which that's kind of historically the true thing. But Mattel, the way they presented Mattel in this I was can't great. believe they like, got away with that. Just taking the piss out of the actual company who <laughs> makes Barbie. And they presented it in a way that it wasn't in its real world. It wasn't really Mattel. It was it was this kind of weird, semi-real, semi like, cartoony, wasn't it? Cartoony world, mm. yeah, and within that building. And I just enjoyed all that together. And I'm like the I enjoyed the side characters. I, I love like the little references where it's like, oh, here's is it Midge, like the pregnant yeah. Barbie that <laughs> She's like cornered off in her own little area that's like she got discontinued, so she lives there. You got Alan, which is Ken's friend. He's the only version played by Michael Serra, who's absolutely incredible in it. And uh, Kate McKinnon's Weird Barbie. I loved Weird Barbie. I loved Weird Barbie. Weird, <laughs> yeah, that weird was a Barbie highlight for me. Was so good. Candy, did you have a Weird Barbie? The one that was I didn't have on. any Barbies. <laughs> too, metal, have, too metal for planes. Barbies. Oh, okay, yeah, I was way too metal for Barbies. I think I might have had a Cindy at one point, but I, I'd never had a Barbie. <laughs> Yeah, I I I, th- I really like Michael Cera, and his character got my favorite joke in the whole thing, which was the bu- the the one about building a wall. I fucking ha- <laughs> oh, I was yeah. a pain laughing at that. Um, <laughs> I don't know if you noticed. I point this out to uh, Stig, but um, Candy, I don't know if you noticed. So when Barbie's in the real world and she's talking to the to the four kids mm. and they're being mean to her, did you clock on that they that they were Bratz dolls? Oh no, I didn't. Yeah, I love that. <laughs> which I thought, which I was thought, like, there's loads of cute little references like that in it. Um, like Barbie's story is interesting and pushed forward. Ken's story is unhinged. It's absolutely fucking surreal. He goes from not ha- not having Barbie's attention and it, like his entire existence is all around Barbie to discovering what patriarchy is, but not really understanding it because um, he thinks it's just about horses. Um, <laughs> to then having an epic dance off against Simu Liu. <laughs> with one of the greatest songs in the middle of a film I've ever heard, to then becoming good with himself and realising that he is just enough. He can be just Ken. doesn't need to be Barbie and Ken. He can be just Ken. And it's it's so surreal that this wonderful feminist movie also like does lift up men to a degree. To a degree. Um, yeah, I loved it. I thought it was so good. And yeah, I think just I, also I really just... I I love the feminist message to it. 
Rhea Perlman as um, Barbie's creator. I thought her scenes mm. were wonderful. Absolutely beautiful. Um, and I think this is also some of the best I've seen Margot Robbie. I think especially there is the scene just before America Ferreira's kind of diatribe about how difficult it is to be a woman. Um, Margot Robbie is crying. It looks like genuine tears. Like she is so good at it. Um, and I also get my second favorite joke in the film where, where she says, I'm not pretty anymore. And the narrator goes, no to filmmakers. Margot Robbie is not the actress to get this point across. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> yes. Because, yeah, like the, the beginning of this film, she is just stunning. Like when she's in Barbie world and she's just smiling all the time. I said to Gadget, like her face must, when they were doing those scenes, her face must have hurt so much from having mm. to just smile all the time. Yeah. But yeah, it's, She's in, I thought she was great in this. Like the way she just was able to switch emotions really quickly and make it believable. Um, yeah. Um, um, I, I also love stuff like all the outfits that the characters wear in Barbie Land are Barbie outfits. Like the ones that have come with it. There is even a scene where she's like throwing clothes on the ground and it like stops and tells what <laughs> name it is and where yeah. it came from yeah. and stuff like that. Which, which, uh, like, I was worried this film would be like a cynical marketing exercise and it kind of inverts that and makes a piss take of cynical marketing exercises at times, which I thought was a very good move. Yeah. Will Ferrell was good in it as well and he can be hit, hit and miss. So He can be. He was very funny, I think, because he got to play a kind of elf-like character. He got to just be like fucking weird and shouty and unhinged. Yeah. Oh, yeah, man. I do I do get your points, Candy. I do, I do get that. And it was just interesting that I'd come to you first I thought you might have been more like... I know it's, film, it's weird, isn't it? Yeah, yeah. I really. I, I thought I would be as well, but yeah, just for me, it was just a bit too much. I think you can achieve more by being a little bit more subtle about things. Which is fine. I think the way you've expressed it is a fair and adult way of putting it across. Not shall burning Barbies in... in a in a dustbin. Yeah, um, shall shall we go into the IMDb user reviews? Oh, oh no, let's not. Lowest first. <laughs> God, let's not. Let's have uh, a look. But yeah, the it's certain section of the internet, as always with this, have just taken it a little bit too far. And Ooh, well, just, that was always going to happen, wasn't it? Yeah. And <laughs> I was just like, what one, do you one... expect about a film? It's about Barbie. It's a toy <laughs> that was marketed to girls. It was made for girls. Ken was never the main attraction for girls when Barbie was, when it was just the dolls. He it's... was just Barbie's boyfriend. That's the whole point. And yeah, Ken is an accessory. Yeah. Um, that's kind of it... the point. But the movie subverts that and changes things and the th- the plays thing, around actually, with that idea actually to be fair candy like your point about the the message being kind of hit, hit, hit in the face with a brick i think it needed to be and people are still misinterpreting it because so this just review i've just found on imdb one star not at all what i was expecting walked out feeling sick okay mm. so listen <laughs> listen to listen to this <laughs> terrible man say these things I get it's a Barbie movie, but as a man in my early 20s going with his fiance to see this movie, I walked out feeling sick and just preached at the entire movie. Don't get me wrong, I knew this was going to be a movie for the girls, but this movie had me feeling like just because I'm a man, I'm abusive, ornery, controlling, etc., and made men out to be awful good-for-nothings in every single story and every single male character in the movie. And I don't know about you guys, but I believe in equality, not reversed sexism. <laughs> so... <laughs> Despite it being a brick to the face of a message, he still missed the fucking point of the film. <laughs> <laughs> like, I don't think you could do a film with this message subtly because people are getting it wrong, even mm. as blatantly upfront as it is. Yeah. <laughs> but yeah, I mean, if, if, if you go on the internet, like the fucking, the Ben Shapiro's of this world, Burn and Barbie dolls, the fucking look like big men. 
because he went to see a film that wasn't aimed at him, that didn't have a message for him, that he just wanted to be angry about it. It's like, fuck you guys, fuck the whole lot of this. <laughs> Which is ironic considering he kind of looks like a plastic doll anyway. And he was dressed like Kenan in the, in the picture that he took in the cinema. He was wearing like the bl- black jeans and a black skin tight t-shirt. <laughs> So, but yeah, but yeah I, I, I thought the film was wonderful and Amelia really enjoyed it. Um, there's a really wonderful moment near the end with the but uses the Billie Eilish song. Oh that, god. That, that uh that had me and Amelia just having a little cuddle together in the in the cinema. So Aww. I was I, I, I was in tears that one because again that's that, that that's Margot Robbie just standing there and you're just watching the tears like drip down her face and you're just like, you just want to hug her. You just want you just want to make it all better, don't you? <laughs> I'll hug and make it better. I know you will. <laughs> then you yeah, probably that's... get arrested shortly after. <laughs> that's Barbenheimer, uh, which we probably should move on before we... this whole episode <laughs> becomes about it because we do have other things. Can I mean, it was bo- a big week. <laughs> yeah, you have a book. I, I do. I do have a book. I've, I've actually read a book for once. I read uh, How to Kill Your Family by Bella Mackey. Um, so the synopsis <laughs> for level. this. Absolutely. <laughs> Uh, when 28-year-old Grace was, discovers her absentee millionaire father has rejected her dying mother's pleas for help, she vows revenge and sets to killing every member of his family before being imprisoned for a murder that she didn't commit. Um, this is objectively a shit book. It's not particularly <laughs> original. It's not particularly well written, but I absolutely loved every minute of it. I just, I could not get enough. I just ate it up, ate it up. Um, so the main character, Grace, is just completely loathsome. And um, so she herself <laughs> seems to find something to hate about every demographic of society. Um, she justifies her motivation to the region being completely oblivious to the fact that she's just as bad, if not worse, actually, than the people that she's set to punish. But you're just kind of rooting for her anyway. Um and yeah, I just found it really darkly funny. Um, now, granted, I am smack bang in the centre of the target audience for this. So female millennial who watches murder documentaries and finds gruesome deaths funny. Yeah. Um, it's not high literature. It's not. It, it, is, <laughs> it is critically acclaimed, but it's doing pretty poorly on Goodreads. But I think some of the main gripes that people have, it was that the main character is just so unlikable. Um, and she makes such awful decisions and she's just completely judgmental. But I think that was kind of the point of the book for it. Like the point of the book, like she is just that awful and it's just her that's completely oblivious. She's just completely unaware that her, sh- her shit also stinks, but it's just a kind of like turn your brain off and have a fun romp. It's gadget. You'll probably hate it. I think oodles would want to burn it to be quite honest. <laughs> <laughs> But it's one of those ones that you'd want to talk about in your 30-somethings book club or tell your mum about. Um, it's definitely going to get a sequel the way it ended, and I would bet any money that it's going to be turned into a TV show like Killing Eve or something similar. But um, objectively, I would give it probably a four, but on Candy's Crap Classics, i give it an eight. <laughs> thoroughly enjoyed it, just absolutely burned through it. Just nothing, Just have fun with it. It's silly. It's silliness. We're gonna to have to do that with um, do a Candy's crap classics read <coughs> now. Each New section, shit books, a shit book to read. <laughs> oh, yeah, okay. Okay. Films, shit books. Just looking at just looking at on, on Goodreads, and yeah, there's a lot of one stars for this one. Yeah, I can. Um, I mean, I can understand why. It's it's just not. The top top review at one star says, this book was honestly me when I'm struggling to reach the word count on an essay. (laughs) (laughs) 
I'm just going to jump in here before we do our last one with another thing I did this week, um, just to fill out that pod out. Um, so I watched a 1980s film, horror film called I, Madman. Um, this is kind of up your street, Candy. Yeah. Um, it's a 1980 film, 1989 film. A bookshop clerk starts seeing the disfigured killer from her favourite 1950s pulp novels come to life and start killing people around her. This stars uh, Jenny Wright as this, um, yeah, it's just this woman who works in a bookshop and she starts reading this novel. It's like trashy horror novel. That, and um, in the film you're watching it, it looks like it's, happening but then it's kind of like just in her head of uh, just, just reading it and she wants to then f- read the next book in the, this guy created called i madman and it's as she's reading what happens in the book it starts to blur reality of what's happening in the book and what's happening in real life and she starts to see things and she starts to see murders happen and she she can't figure out if it's real or if it's not and the audience is not meant to figure out if it's real or not and it's all kind of twists and turns in there um it's a great film, but I enjoyed it. <laughs> Do you know what I mean? It's one of those ones where I give it a three star because it's shit, but really enjoyable. And the makeup effects on the killer is really great. Like he, so the killer um, in it is he's all disfigured and he's like missing his ears and his nose and all of his like lips and everything. He's got no hair. And as he kills people, he takes part of their face and stitches them onto his own body. <laughs> oh, so, 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 so it's like Verotica. So, yeah. <laughs> So he just becomes more and more like stitched up with body parts and big, you know, and the the stitches across his head and his ears and his lips and everything. And some of the the CGI, say CGI effects, stop motion effects for part of it is terrible. Uh, But in general, like the actual kind of stalking and the 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 the, the way this killer stalks her and and her descent into madness is kind of well done. I like. I wouldn't particularly go and seek it out, but um, it was it was fine. It was quite good. Like, but shit, shit, but good. <laughs> I think that's the thing with eighties horror. Like, they threw a lot of the wall, and some of it stuck, but most of it didn't, did it? Like, some of the ones that were actually probably quite good were lost in the um, in the sea of time a little bit. Yeah, but yeah, they weren't afraid of trying new things. I think. No, it's very trashy, and you could make a really, really good slasher stalker horror film using this same idea i think i just think in certain aspects of this film it kind of misses the mark but yeah if you're into like 80s horror and uh over the top blood and special effects then give that one a go uh lastly uh we myself and gadget and lady aspart from our discord we played sea of thieves tall tales monkey island and it's very very good yes so if you haven't played sea of thieves obviously Best pirate sim going. Just get out on the on the open seas and pirate your way around. <laughs> this one's one of the tall tales, so this takes place kind of off the Sea of Thieves. Uh, you go into a PVE zone. There are no, there is no one coming to grief you on this one because that's the first complaint everybody has about Sea of Thieves is being griefed by randoms. Don't worry, this is a story where you get to go to Melee Island into the, into the world of Monkey Island to seek out Guybrush Threepwood, who. Uh, after his wedding to Elaine, kind of gets a bit peculiar and disappears. But he, be, as far as Melly Island's concerned, he's the legendary pirate. That's how they refer to him. The legendary Guybrush Threepwood. Uh, you pull up, you, you go through the portal, however, Sea of Thieves gets you into different worlds. 
and you get the, the sounds and the strains of the theme tune to Monkey Island, and then there it is in front of you, in full 3D, Melly Island, and it's mm-hmm. glorious. Yeah, it's so Fucking good. glorious. And you pull up at the harbour, and you go up to the, where the governor's mansion is, and you're not allowed in. You have to work out where, how to get there, and as is tradition, there are a load of really obtuse fucking puzzles to do. And they're yeah. great. It was so much fun. It's, it's just Monkey Island in 3D, but like, getting to run around Melee Island in first-person view while solving these obtuse Monkey Island puzzles. And we're all, like, working together. Where we like, picked up this hammer. Like, what's this hammer for? Right, we don't know. Right, put that down. Figure this thing out. Okay, what? Okay, wait. I've got to... Gadget was on this winch thing. He's like, oh, I've got found this winch thing. I was like, went down. oh, yeah, I cut the rope. And we, bit by bit, we were, like, kind of piecing it all together yeah. and, and going around the island and collecting things and to money to before to buy things to progress to the next part. A lot, and... Yeah, a lot of the puzzles are actual puzzles from the old games. Like, you, you, you have to get into the chef's kitchen in um, the scum bar. Um, and that's been a puzzle in every single Monkey Island game. How do you get the chef out of there so you can raid his kitchen for whatever you need? Um, yeah. And this one, no, uh, no disappointment. Uh, it's got all, all the original voice actors in as well. So you've got the, you've got the lookout guy, you've got the, uh, pi- uh, the pirate leaders, the pirate chiefs. You've got Murray! You've got Guybrush himself. You've got most... There's a good chunk of the cast in this. Uh, LeChuck turns up at one point, and it's the—it's not the yeah. original LeChuck actor, because unfortunately he died, but it's the current LeChuck actor from the last game. Um, everything looks great in 3D. Everything looks so pleasing in the Sea of Thieves art style as well, because Sea of Thieves goes wonderful, kind of ever so slightly chunky art style. Um, and the character animations and the characters look fantastic and sound brilliant. And we chortled and hoo-hawed our way through this. It's so funny. Yep. I had such a good time playing it. And obviously I had a bit of CFC's bullshittery to it where I thought I'd figured out a way to cheese it as well. Like I was just, we were just looking around. And I was like, I managed to somehow get onto this roof. And I was like jumping my way up this roof. I was like, oh, I'm at the bell tower. Like that you have to find a key to get into or the clock tower to get. Yeah. And I was like, oh, I'm here. I figured it out. And then got around there. And then it's not. You need a key to lock the door at the bottom of the tower and then a key to, to use the key to get in at the top. So I was being all cocky thinking, oh, I'm already here. <laughs> but, but yeah, it was really good. Like, I just, if you've just played the the newest Monkey Island game, to then go back to that and see it all in 3D and it be exactly how it was in that game. And, and also like 3D in HD or 4K or whatever if you're playing on Xbox Series X. Like, it's just beautiful. Just yeah. beautiful. Uh, and th- there is a joke made at your expense if you happen to drown. Um, and the um, the the rumours of how long Guybrush can hold his breath have gone up and up and up. I think it was about, didn't one of the characters say he can hold his breath for an hour or something like that? Yeah. Um, which is, again, a running gag through all the games. Um, so it's it's the first of three tall tales set in Monkey Island. So it only lasted, it took us, what, maybe three hours to do, if that um, yeah, but you could probably do it quicker. Yeah, we but... yeah we we got lost on one point trying to get one of the puzzles done, so we were kind of running back and forth until one of us had a brainwave. Um, and yeah, it just it I I I keep just keep saying it's great because it is it, and I think people need to give Sea of Thieves another go anyway because it's just a good game. It's fun, Tall yeah. Tales especially mm. because they're PV, P- PVE. You don't fight people in them. If you have to fight, you're fighting enemies. So, you know, you can, you don't have to engage with the online play. 
this is so much more enjoyable than that Pirates of the Caribbean one was, just mainly because <laughs> obviously they've got the proper voice actors in, but they've just done it in the style of Monkey Island. Like it isn't just a oh we've got we have we've got Melee Island, we've got the characters, but you're just gonna go off and do some normal Sea of Thieves stuff. Yeah. The no. fact that they made it like a Monkey Island game was was what made it special. It did, yeah. So yeah. Really hardly recommend anybody play that. Especially yeah. if you have Game Pass as well. You're not gonna lose anything, are you? No. <laughs> so yeah, that's our week. Uh it's been we've done quite a lot this last couple of weeks. Yeah. Um what it's the, nice uh, seeing the Nexus every two weeks. Yeah, you can build a few things up. <laughs> yeah. You just gotta remember though, haven't you? It's just like because we did like you and Gadget obviously did uh, Barbie and Oppenheimer like two weeks ago nearly. It's just like, I've got to keep it all in my head and remember. <laughs> I took notes. <laughs> uh, what have our listeners been up to then, Gadget, in that uh, time? Uh, so Zenos has said, uh, not something I've been playing personally, but something I've been watching a lot of. Most of my <sighs> friends have picked up Remnant 2, the, the sequel to Remnant from the Ashes. It looks like a really solid third-person shooter with some Souls-like mechanics. Uh, I've one specific criticism that stopped me buying it myself, which is that it's yet another ostensibly multiplayer game with a limit of three players in a session. Every time I watch them interact with one of the checkpoints, they're rocks, but they're basically bonfires. They're standing on three sides of an obviously square rock, but no, you may have a maximum of two friends and no more. (laughs) And then he goes on to an amendment to this. I have ended up buying Remnant to myself. (laughs) And I have another criticism. To anyone in game development who thinks about doing something like a roguelike, roguelite, or otherwise procedurally generated or randomised game, for the love of God, curate your tutorial area. When I started, I got dropped into an area that was way too difficult for me at my level of experience with shooters, and and if not for my friends helping, I would have no idea that I could reset it to a different zone and probably just quit 45 minutes in. Gameplay is fine now that I've been able to start off in a different zone and I get better equipment. I'm currently Warhammer 40King my way through a Warhammer fantasy environment and the murderous lunatics wandering the streets cannot withstand my Gatlin laser cannon rocket-propelled hammer. I may have to buy this. <laughs> rocket-propelled hammers? I'm into it. Yeah, uh, I mean, it's been getting good reviews, Remnant 2. Um, I don't know if I'll get I didn't enjoy Remnant 1, but I think it just didn't hit me with the right time. I think sometimes it's worth revisiting a sequel, isn't it? Because they they got the chance to like tune out what yeah wasn't working and uh, refining what, what what did. Yeah, so. like I've seen plenty of I stuff just, online. I the videos with these, like um, yeah, when it's only like three players doing stuff. I just I don't know. I just never get into them. <laughs> you can play it by yourself if you want to. Uh, it doesn't need to be online. Uh, Robotic Monkey has said I've been slowly watching my way through Adventure Time with the kids. If you haven't seen it, it's a Cartoon Network animation about a human boy called Finn and his best friend and adopted brother Jake, who is a magical shape-shifting dog. You can superficially enjoy it as a weird cartoon about two best friends defeating bad guys in a post-apocalyptic wasteland, but there's also a ton of really grown-up storylines about life, loss, and trying to figure things out. On more than one occasion, I found myself pausing for thought, and I'll never be able to hear the Cheers theme again without welling up. Sadly, because this was on Cartoon Network, you can't easily watch it anywhere anymore, but if you haven't seen it, I strongly recommend checking it out. I've heard a lot of people really love Adventure Time. Yeah, people say it's like all the time how good it is. And Bluey as well. Like loads of people are going on about Bluey. I mean, I do like clips of Bluey. Bluey's quite sweet. Yeah, but that is like proper kids. That is a proper kids show. There is some stuff around one that's got some good stuff in it, but it's not one where you'd sit and watch it by yourself if you have (laughs) have children. I said Pearl does. There there, there are a subset (laughs) of adults who do watch Bluey just unironically. 
without having it's children. A subset around. of adults who do a lot of things they shouldn't do. Well, true, yeah. <laughs> Why well, are you both looking at me? I mean, didn't say, didn't say anything. <laughs> Game of bed. It's fine. It's fine. Uh, Sergeant Story said, I've been enjoying the series based on a recommendation from Lady Azabat. Uh, it's the Palace Job, which is the Rogues of the Republic series. Finished book one a couple of day, in a couple of days and I want to book two now. It's been fantastic and incredibly hard to put down. A couple of plot points were easily predicted, but that's true of a lot of books these days. Uh, I, don't, I don't know who wrote that. Another, fan, another fantasy uh, series I'll probably have to add to the collection. Yeah. Uh, by Patrick Weeks. Is it complete? Is it a complete series? That's uh, the important thing. Rogues of the Republic series. Let's see. There's three books in it. Um, is the series complete? <laughs> uh, well, da, 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 da. It looks like it is. Yeah, it looks like th- looks like it's a trilogy. Good. Then I heartily <laughs> recommend that I get onto it. Yeah. Uh, right, okay, Mike Halstead has said, inspired by your recent backlogs of shame, I've decided I'm going to play games until I finish at least the main story. This week I successfully finished Final Fantasy VII Remake and have started on 16, but the rest of the list includes, and is not limited to, Tales of Arise, Spider-Man Miles Morales, do that one next, it's short, it's good, uh, Dragon Quest XI, put that one down, it's good, but it's long, Elden Ring, also long, Hogwarts Legacy, also long, Undertale, <laughs> short, and God of War. Kind of long. Mm. Yeah. <laughs> kind of long, but kind of worth it. I would think do Spider-Man, Miles Morales, then do God of War, and then Undertale, and then the rest are really long. <laughs> Dragon Quest is definitely one that I just dip in and out of every now and again. Like, I have, I go in, I play, that week I'll play like six, seven hours of it, and then I don't play it for ages. Then I'll go back in. Like, it's very much a game that I've found that you can just dip in and out of. I just finished Final Fantasy 16 and How long did quite it take long, you? about 60 hours, I think. It says, I think it says about 80 on my place, but there's a lot of just pausing and reading my phone. So I would say probably about 60. Fair enough. And I, I mostly did the main story as well. Like the, I didn't do that many side quests. I did some of the, um, the monster hunts um, instead of like grinding and everything because you get the good weapons. But yeah, I didn't do a bunch of uh, side quests. I was going to get that. 80 hours. I'm sure I'll get it. It doesn't point. have to be 80. I think you're probably looking 50, 60 when all said and done. Right, U- it's U- worth it. Oodles did it in 35, so you usually take what he does and then add 50% to it. Yes. That'll be about 50 hours. Uh, Super Natty Cat has said, this week I've been watching Luca on Disney+. Plus. If you haven't seen it, it's basically the boy version of The Little Mermaid, but with no romance and much funnier. So nothing, nothing like The Little Mermaid then. Um, <laughs> in, a, in a sense well, there's the sea there's the sea it's, it's it. a person who comes from out of the sea yeah. to live on the real world it's about a sea monster called Luca who wants to visit the human world he bumps into a lad called Roberto who is also a sea monster and they befriend a human girl they desperately want to win a race so they can purchase a shitty moped and then they can explore the world it's, is it a Lambretta? you are it's, it's a decent it's a decent moped to be fair you can't be calling it a shitty moped it's like a Lambrette proper cherry red Lambrette yeah they want, they want the money to buy a decent one yeah okay. it's a beautiful <laughs> funny take on childlike imagination and dreams and Stuarticus loves the fact the characters are drawn with huge eyes and there's lots of movement Stuart, Stuarticus rating of 8 out of 10 
Excellent. Uh, it could have been it had catcher music to shake his limbs to, he says, but he likes that the cat he likes the cat <laughs> in it and loves how the water looks on the telly. This is the diseased mind of Supernati Cat. It's Stuarticus is her son, who is what, two months old now? About, yeah. She's she's very much mummy brain at the minute, isn't she? I think he might be heading in the same direction. <laughs> <laughs> it's Pixar though, so there's no music in it. Anywhere. Yeah. Really. Um Planty is oh no. I've seen the amount of capital letters in this one. Uh, Planty says, This week I've been mostly watching films. <laughs> so enjoying me one-line reviews. Although it might be a bit strong. I don't know why he's got that accent. He's from Nottingham. Um, <laughs> Transformers Rise of the Beasts. Here's the capitals. Mirage is an F1 car, not a Porsche. Do you realise how stupid you made me look in front of my wife? Film about toy cars that turn into robots. Two out of five. <laughs> <laughs> the Flash. Why are they all cartoons? Did you send the actors away and then decide to animate the rest? How can a film that costs so much make, to make look so cheap? One out of five. <laughs> He's not wrong. <laughs> Fucking hell, the CGI in this. Uh, he then goes on to say, Infinity Pool. says, you know that scene out of The Simpsons where Homer's watching Twin Peaks? Brilliant, just brilliant. I have no idea what's happening. I want to see that so bad. <laughs> is it out streaming yet? It must be. Uh, Rachel's point. See, this is why we don't make friends on holiday. That's her quote. <laughs> uh, and best for last I finally got Rachel to crack open the Dune Part 1 Blu-ray after she saw the trailer for Part 2 her next day review that was brilliant I haven't been able to stop thinking about it all day even though nothing happens 5 out of 5 it's Dune for you <laughs> can't wait for Dune Part 2 they better not fucking delay it until next year uh, Planty why are you watching terrible films you watch enough bad films for your own podcast stop doing it you know what no one needed to watch Transformers Rise of the Beasts because he's like me just to watch this thing. Like, I didn't need to watch The Flash. I already knew it was going to be bad. But... <laughs> yeah, I, uh, I, 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 I know quite a lot of people have watched The Flash. I've not heard a single person say a single good thing about it. Other than Michael mm. Keaton's in it and he's good. Flash. Mm. Uh, last up, Angry Kurt says, most of my gaming this past week has been the Resident Evil 4 remake. And boy, is this game fantastic. It was a bit of a risk for me as I'm easily scared and I can say this is easily the scariest game I've ever played, but I'm enjoying it so much that I think I'll be able to power through. The thing that stands out to me is the pacing, which is spot on. Which, yeah, that's the thing. A lot of Resident Evil 4 was always good for its pacing. Uh, Film-wise, I finished all the Mission Impossible films up to Dead Reckoning. My ranking would be in order of best to worst. Fallout, Rogue Nation, Ghost Protocol 3, 2, and then 1. Is that accurate for you, Stig? No, but um, okay. I haven't <laughs> seen 2 in... In ages, I still have a soft spot for one because I like it being a bit more grounded um, and it being a, like a spy espionage rather than like a massive, big, you know, blow yeah. up action film. Whereas I think two just went well, over the top. I mean, and two's a John Woo film, <laughs> full of style, a lot of style over substance. Yeah. Uh, TV wise, I started watching The Thick of It, which I think was recommended on here before on the Best Bastards episode with Malcolm Tucker. Oh, he yeah. really is a bastard, but incredibly funny. In some ways, the show reminds me of Succession with some of the incredible one-liners that you hear. Yeah, I can, I can, I can see that. There is some fantastic, top-tier Olympic-level swearing in the thick of it. <laughs> Such a good show. Although you do have to kind of ignore Chris Langham in the first series. Yeah, I mean, a, I he's didn't a significant know. wrongin. Yeah, I didn't know anything about it I, until he didn't turn up in series two, and I looked at why. I was like, oh. <laughs> <laughs> So at least yeah. I found out after I'd watched and it wasn't like watching him knowing. Well, yeah, I found it after I watched it, but it was 
on a subsequent rewatches, I just skipped the first season. There's only three episodes anyway. Uh, last of says, finally, I'm preparing for the next Kenny Potter by reading through Prisoner of Azkaban. I think this was the first book in the series I read back in the day after watching the first two films beforehand. I'm enjoying, yeah, enjoying it, but as we discussed in the Discord, I find it annoying how J.K. Rowling has to explain every returning character and other things from the previous books, like someone would be jumping into the series fresh from the third book in, which you did. <laughs> do you know, do you know what? what actually like reading that i completely agree with that because it even happens a little bit in the fourth book as well it does and it's, <laughs> i'm now i'm blaming kurt on this that i'm picking up on every time she bloody does it it'll be like it'll you be notice like, it I, now i've right so uh, we did we did the, the third episode we recorded that um it comes out next week um and so I thought, screw it, I'll just get straight on to the, the fourth book. So I'm on to the fourth book now. And I'm like 12 or 13, 14 chapters in or something at this point already. And yet even in that, she'll go back to, oh, because of this happening and this. And the, don't you remember that this was the reason why that? And I'm kind of like, <laughs> I don't need to know this. And I guess <laughs> it's slightly different in the fact that these books didn't come out. Yeah, they came out if years read, apart. Yeah, exactly. So I get the reason it's done. But when you listen to them, or reading them one after another now that they're all out, it can be quite tiresome. Yeah. So, so you're noticing that now that someone's pointed I'm it out. I'm noticing it now that he's yeah, picked <laughs> up on it, and now I notice it. <laughs> <laughs> Thanks, Kurt. Oh, bless him. But, uh, yeah, that's all, that's all the feedback we have. Excellent. So just before we get into Candyland, um, if you... Um, Want to hear more of what we do? Obviously, you can sign up to our Patreon. Uh, we'll get extended episodes of this uh, every week, and we have specials coming out, of, like the aforementioned Kenny Potter. That will be out uh, next week on the 10th. No, that's the wrong day. I'm looking at the wrong month. The 7th. So that'll come out on the 7th of August, and myself, Oodles, and Candy are going over the Harry Potter films one by one for that. Um, all the information is on modernescapism.co.uk. Uh, next week, uh, Planty is actually joining us. Special guest, he's coming on, and he's suggested this topic. Um, I was meant to run it by you, but I haven't done, so I'm just bringing it to you now. <laughs> Ooh, I like a surprise. Yeah, so he said, um, I don't think you've done this before, but how about making a new ending to your favourite franchise? So I've extended this to maybe do coming up with our own ending to shows or film series that got cancelled as well. No, I don't like that topic. I don't want to do it. I'm going to fix okay. Game of yeah, Thrones that's good. So I love hard. it. That's a good idea. Yeah, so we're going to fix things that we didn't like the endings to. Game of Thrones is too easy. <laughs> okay, too easy. okay. How I Met Your Mother. I can fix it. I can there make go. it good. <laughs> so that's what we're doing. Next week, we are fixing things and giving stuff a better ending. Um, could be anything you want. So yeah, join in, uh, send us your feedback on Twitter, the Discord, or on the website. There's a link there to our email. And uh, that's a podcast. So we're now going to head into Candyland. And now, what's up in Candyland? What's up in Candyland? So we've all been to a dressing room. We've all been to a changing room. Pe mm -hmm. Penis doodles everywhere. Yeah. Libraries, bus stops, dirty cars... Tester pads in Hobbycraft, queues in Orson Towers, wherever you can doodle, there's a penis. So it made it made me wonder if, like, do you think penis doodler is the same 
from region to region. <laughs> like, is Peter Sula maybe different by Aborigines as it is to the Hawaiian peoples and it is to the Vikings? So it made me like. Wouldn't it be good if I could do like a travel book of penises, penis doodles from around the world? Like there could be a whole series of penis doodles and it could come out every year and it could be an <laughs> anthology and people would spend like, it would be like 50 quid because it's like a coffee table book, 50 quid per book. And like it also made me think like how many, like how many penis drawings do you think you've done in your life, both of you? It's more than 10, right? Um. So, Way more than ten. Yeah, we used to um, just deface our friends' books. It was me and two of our lads in our science, and it was a challenge to see how many dicks you could draw in their book. And we called it dicked. <laughs> and you would draw a dick in their book, so maybe a week later they would go to the next page and there'd just be a page full of dicks because <laughs> they hadn't realised that you'd done it. And we used to do this a lot. So You've yeah, been dicked. I used so, to have like- a science books full of dicks. <laughs> I wasn't even biology but like what do you reckon the ratio is, is of dick doodles to people in the world at this given moment like it's got to That's outweigh it by fucking like surely by loads I mean, it exceeds I, have, you, have you not heard of Wanksy? no so, 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 so Wanksy is a lad in Manchester who has gotten so furious with the state of potholes on the road, he spray paints a, 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 okay, a, a yeah. spray paints a cock around it. So the, the council then come and fill it in. <laughs> yeah, I have. Okay, I have seen. Now I know, yeah, now you've explained, I know exactly yeah, what that is. Yeah. Some of them are incredible. Like, like there's one he's made a tank out of a cock. <laughs> <laughs> or an airplane I, dropping cock bombs. I bet if you go through all kind of drawings and pictures from time that there's a lot of that's what very I'm saying, different like, looking ones. I've just like, found but, one here, which is a history of male. Oh yeah, history of males genitals in Western art. And um, <laughs> there's one guy here who's he's riding the cock, like she. It's a woman, sorry. Is riding the cock. It looks like one of those, um, like Japanese dragons. <laughs> so, <shit>. <laughs> <laughs> Do you know what my favorite is? That meme, and it's like somebody, like it's a demon carrying his giant cock in a in a wheelbarrow or something. <laughs> And he's asking, does anyone want anything from the cock trolley? Is that got anything less cocky? It's that only giant cock, I'm afraid. I love that one. But like even penises throughout history, like in like cave drawings in the cradle of civilization, like but throughout time there's always been a penis drawing. Yeah. Oh, I've just found the, the demon here on the wheelbarrow. Oh, that is one giant giant <laughs> penis. Only, gi- only yeah. giant penis, I'm afraid. I've just posted, look at that one I've just posted in the chat, the one that with the woman it. riding. Let's have a look at this then. <laughs> oh wow. <laughs> <laughs> that is a lot of cock. Yeah, it really oh, is. Yeah. And then you have like statues as well. How 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 they're depicted on statues. I mean you can they kind all, of forgive that because really it's a tiny. study of, they are mostly really tiny, but also that's a study of human form and like they're just like naked and musculature. So I wouldn't necessarily call that a doodle per se. No, but plus, plus, just... plus marble's quite cool. Well, yeah. see, I well, was listening yeah. to a podcast uh, to Bad Friends, and they're talking about this. Where they said, um, that, "Do you reckon that the guy who uh, saw uh, David, the... Michelangelo's David, yeah, yeah? Do you reckon that when that was unveiled, it was just like this? They were saying, do you reckon he was wandering around going, that's not what it looks like? 
Like it's much, bigger, it's much bigger than that. It's much bigger than that. It's like, do you want to see it? Do you want to see it? Like, I'll prove that it's bigger. Like, tell him it's bigger. <laughs> he was a shower, not a grower. Grower, not yeah. a shower. Plus, him, every, everything else about his body was entirely perfect, but everyone focuses on that. Yeah, yeah. but have you seen it, though, in the flesh, or not in the flesh, in the marble? Yeah. He's fucking ginormous. Dick, not so much. <laughs> I mean, I don't think it's draw. I don't think it's sculpted to scale. Like he was a human-sized person. Well, yeah, I mean, he'd be fifty foot otherwise. But I mean, who are we to say how big people were back in those days? We have. We evidence. didn't know. There was no evidence. Door frames. No. <laughs> Bones. No. <laughs> remains. No. Remains of people. No. They're, they're, they're pretty. Give a pretty good idea that's of how big f- they were. That's just a few people that were in the world at that time. There might have been. You don't. You don't. You just don't know about what happened two hundred years ago. We do. That record, recorded history was happening then. Well, it didn't record everything, did it? And that's Candyland. <laughs> <laughs> Fucking hell! Wow, I was just trying to look up that woman who's got like just dicks tattooed all over her. Actually, 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 actually that, that, that how many do how many dicks have you doodled on people, Candy? Uh, uh, on purpose or accidentally? Both. Accidentally, it could be exponential amounts. On purpose? I can't think of like any. Well, purpose, maybe a few. <laughs> um, have you, have yeah. you ever tattooed one? No. Not, not tattooed the actual penis, like a penis doodle. Have I drawn a penis on somebody that isn't on their penis? No, have you ever... Or ta- have I tattooed somebody's tattooed penis? It. No, no, no. Have you tattooed a penis doodle on someone? No. No. Well... Have you hi- have you hidden a penis in any tattoos mm, that you've done? No. <laughs> <laughs> Depends how penisy the person is, really. <laughs> Watch out when she comes down. When you go down for yours, gadget. Yeah. <laughs> that sword in the bonfire is going to look very, very penis-like. Ooh, why's he got a helmet? <laughs> I, 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 will, I will bring you some breakfast and some sweets. That'll keep. That'll keep you no happy. Pe- no penis. No, no penis. penis. <laughs> yeah. Well, that's Candyland, and that's a podcast. If you aren't a patron, then this is the end of this week's podcast. And if you are, then we'll meet you in the green room. Bye. Bye. Bye.